Hey, what's up, guys? This week we have Steve Saturno out of uh, the Lake Tahoe area. Great conversation for anyone that either works in areas where there's rentals, second homes, uh, million-dollar homes. His is kind of all over the place, which is pretty fascinating to listen to. And he's just a great guy. Met him probably five years ago at an Ashi conference, and uh, just nice as can be. A pleasure to be around. So something again, something that everyone can learn from. Um, just hearing his experience, um, and he's also big on efficiency. And he has dialed in Spectora templates in the app like like no like none other. So um, pretty wide ranging conversation. I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, again send me guests if you guys have ideas um anyone that has an interesting story that you come across in the industry tell them to shoot me an email kevin at spectora.com we'll get them on the pod and then if there's specific topics you guys want to hear i love getting ideas um for topics and it could be vendors in the industry it could be certain um, tactics while meeting agents online bookings digital strategy anything you guys want to hear about let me know and as always um reviews comments are appreciated on the podcast apps apple and google um that helps give me validation to keep going and um and share the pod um in your inspector groups and anywhere where you think the industry can benefit from this because our goal elevate the industry elevate the thinking um because a rising tide lifts all ships so thank you again for listening everybody and hope you enjoy Cool. Well, Steve, thanks for finally, thanks for being patient with me. First of all, I had to reschedule a couple of times because of some family issues and being sick. So thank you for, for hanging in there with me over the holidays, man. Yeah, no problem. My pleasure. It's just, um, glad to be on. Yeah. So the first thing I want to ask, just like the fires, we haven't obviously spoken, you know, in months, but like, is everything okay? Is everything back to normal in Tahoe? I just remember kind of hearing it offhand from someone on our team. And uh, I didn't realize how serious it had gotten up there. Yeah, it it got pretty bad. I mean, we had fires to the north of us and fires to the south of us. The Dixie Fire, which was almost a million acres, and then the Cowdoor Fire, which was south of us, which ended up creeping into the Lake Tahoe Basin. So depending the the depending on what the winds were doing each day, I mean, it whether they were the winds were coming from the north or the south. I mean, it was just bad. So I had to pretty much shut down my business for about two weeks and we had to leave the area. So. Wow. How, I mean, how scary was that with not knowing? I mean, was it not, I mean, obviously very different than COVID, but like kind of one of those, we don't know how long this will last scenarios, right? Yeah. I mean, it pretty much goes out when, when the rains start and there's just pretty much wasn't very, there wasn't much precipitation going on. So yeah, it was like that. But we also knew that being on the north side of the lake, it you know the chances of it actually coming to our house were very low. Okay. Um, it would have to spread all the way around the lake, which just wasn't likely. Um, but we definitely had lots of friends who had to evacuate the area, and the smoke was over. I mean, at times the AQI was over 700 at our house. So, I mean, it's no <laughs> no conditions to work in or even be in your house, even if we had four or five uh, air purifiers in our house going at the same time. Everyone, you know, ended up being okay and safe and then their houses yeah. made it. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. yeah wanted to check in on that first and foremost, because I know, uh, you know, that, that was a big deal up there. And I remember, I, I think it was Lulu or someone mentioning you were, you were impacted quite a bit. So. Yeah. I mean, in the peak summer, shutting down the business for two, two and a half weeks was definitely had an impact on us. 
Yeah. Well, um, let's, let's introduce you. Cause I, I know for, for not every home inspector out there knows every other home inspector out there. So yeah, I'd love to hear a little about kind of your background as an engineer and kind of where you came from. Um, you're in the Lake Tahoe area, if it's not clear to everybody. Um, yeah. but yeah, would love to just hear your story and your words of just kind of how you got into business and, and how long you've been doing it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like I said, Steve Saturno is my name and Saturno Home Inspection is the business that I started around 2014. Um, and that was after, you know, I, I've been in the area about 20 years now, which is kind of mind blowing in itself. <laughs> and, um, you know, I started off, I, of course, I moved here as a ski bum. And then once that wore off, I was, uh, you know, I graduated as an engineer and I started doing civil engineering, designing homes up here for about 10 years, got licensed, um, switched around to a few different companies and got a lot of experience with building construction, snow loads, everything having to do with, with construction in our area. And, um, you know, in between that also doing, doing odd jobs here and there, helping my brother can build his house. And, um, and then I, at one point I was just really tired of being indoors. I was tired of like pounding away at the keyboard and, and, um, and just doing the office thing. So um, I made a change. And about a year after I quit engineering, I fell into home inspection, like by almost by accident. And I was like, Oh, I might be good at this. And, um, you know, a little bit of fake it till you make it. And then here I am. Was there a certain moment? Or was it of the burnout or kind of wanting to switch careers? Or was it, um, you know, over the course of months or years, we were just like, man, is there another way to, to make a living? This can't be the only thing for me. Like, what was that? Like, take me through that. Yeah. I mean, I had, I really struggled with it because I ended up becoming a part owner in the engineering firm and I really felt tied to it after that, but it wasn't long after that, that I was like, I, you know, I just don't have the passion to do this every day and for the rest of my life. And yeah, definitely part of that is, you know, working on high end custom residential homes where you're working with great architects and you're building these huge, magnificent homes. But, um, you know, a lot of it also was, there were homes that are maybe second, third, fourth homes for some of these people. And they just sit in these communities for, you know, months and months and it's just deserted out there. And they, people come and they, they come to their homes a handful of times a year. And so I didn't really feel like I was doing my community a, a service mm. by just continuing with that industry as well. So that contributed as well to the whole wanting to move away from, um, you know, that design industry. Yeah. No, and I want to get more into the high-end market and kind of the second home type markets. I know a lot of inspectors around the country live, have pockets of working in that. It's, just, it's a different beast. Um, how did you fall into home inspections? Cause a, a lot of folks, even that work in construction or homes don't fully know what the job entails until someone mentions it or they get a home inspection done. Like what was your exposure to it? Well, I had bought a home in Truckee and, um, in about two, at probably like 2012 mm -hmm. and had a home inspection. I didn't really think too much of it. And the whole year long process of, I quit my job cold 
and didn't really have a plan. And I was doing some construction, um, you know, with friends who are contractors. And I was just kind of looking through the yellow pages. I was looking in the Bay Area to see what the, you know, with the want ads and classified what people are doing down there. And I just kind of wrote down all my skills and what I wanted in a career. And um, I just kept looking at that every day. And one day in, I think it was in the classified, there was an advertisement for a home inspection, like an umbrella, one of those umbrella companies, I won't mention their name, mm -hmm. but I, so I contacted them. They say, Hey, look, we'll give you, you know, some guidelines and we'll give you a subscription to Internachi and, um, you know, we'll get you, we'll get you going. So I started with that. And then it wasn't long after that, that I realized, you know what, I could just do a better job if I just started my own business. But it was just a process of kind of seeing what, you know, my skills I had and looking what was out there and what, um, you know, what opportunities there were. And in that research, there just wasn't a ton of competition at the time for home inspection. That's what I was going to ask was like, how, what was it like going out there on your own being like, wait, am I missing something? There's just like not a ton of young, maybe hungry home inspectors in the area. Did it, did it seem like you stumbled across something that others just kind of hadn't seen? Yeah. And um, especially in California where it's not a licensing state and the bar for entry is pretty low. Um, you know, it's more about confidence and kind of what your background is. So a lot of my competition is contractors and people who have been, you know, in the industry, construction industry for a long time, and maybe they're burned out on building homes and they're kind of rounding, finishing off their, their, uh, careers. And they're like, oh, I'll be, a, um, do home inspection. So a lot of my competition has kind of come into it that way. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, yeah, there's a very small amount of, uh, especially recently in the last few years of younger home inspectors coming up and trying to get a piece. Yeah. So what, how did you get your name out there? Was it pretty, was it pretty quick? I imagine with the lack of, you know, supply of home inspectors, what was your kind of takeoff story in terms of like getting to the point where you're like, wow, I'm, I'm making a good living now. Yeah. And, um, you know, and everyone kind of, there's so many like new home inspectors. They're like, how long did it take? How long did it take you to like get going and just like really make a living? And, um, you know, and I was told right away, they're like, give it two years. And it took yeah. about two years. Like after that, I was like, okay, yeah, this is, I'm doing well, you know, I'm doing decent. Um, and the process, it really helped because, you know, Tahoe's pretty small. It's a pretty tight knit community. And I had already been here for, you know, well over, you know, maybe like 12 years or so. Um, so kind of jumping into it, knowing just like so many people from, you know, I'm a local musician and doing the engineering thing and, you know, snow being a, you know, backcountry and, and just an outdoor enthusiast, I kind of gained, you know, a lot of friends doing that. And it turned out a lot of them were real estate agents. <laughs> You know, the whole thing goes like, you know, people are like servers here and then they become, it leads you right into becoming a real estate agent. So <laughs> yeah. a lot of my friends that were in the restaurant industry ended up becoming real estate agents. And I just went to them first and I said, Hey, um, you know, I was an engineer. Do you want to try to use me as a home inspector? And, and it started that way. And then people in their office shared my name and it just grew from there. So Wow. So that's great. So it sounds like being there helped a ton small community. Um, you're obviously, you know, a great, super nice guy. So I'm sure that helps. 
so you, you, you may not know any different, but like, was it kind of surprising the average home price there and what you could charge? Did you kind of know that all along or did you kind of have to feel it out of like, oh, wow, these homes are like really expensive. This is going to take a lot longer every job. Like, what's it like being in a market like that? And what is the average price? I was actually about to look it up. Yeah, you know, um, well, you know, just because it's a second home market doesn't mean that every home is a $20 million lakefront. Right. Um, You know, there's a community called Tahoe Donner, which is one of the biggest neighborhoods in the country. I think there's 6,000, there's nearly 6,000 home sites in that area alone, that neighborhood, you know, it's a big hill. And, um, and that's in Truckee. And most of those homes are kind of three bedroom, two bath, two car garage, okay. around, you know, 18 to 2,500 square feet. They're kind of, you know, a, you know, normal, um, you know, single family home. So there's nothing too special about those. Those are kind of our bread and butter and we do those all day long. And, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing crazy about those, but yeah, on the other hand, there's these homes that are lakefronts where they're, you know, these days they're going for 10 to 40, $45 million. And, um, they can be really complicated, lots of different systems, lots of different structural systems and architectural and the HVAC is, is extensive and, um, and yeah, we charge, a, there's a completely different scale pretty much for homes of that size. I, I kind of have a one scale for like small homes under 4,000 square feet and that, you know, the bigger ones I charge totally different on. So, um, and I did mostly, you know, I looked at just did market research. I kind of went to the other home inspectors in the area and, um, you know, I was kind of asking them what what they charge. And I'd ask realtors, I'd be like, how much, uh, <laughs> I saw you closed on that house. How much does the home inspection cost? You know, using friends to get some, some inside knowledge. Um, do you have any crazy stories or, or houses that you've seen or, um, I don't know, celebrity ones. Cause I, it, I always find it fun to ask that when it's like higher end. Cause there's most people don't know what these houses are like. I mean, I, you know, I don't know how many AC units or like parts of homes or, uh, you know, weird additions that they could have, like anything crazy over the years that you've seen? Um, I don't know. Crazy. I mean, I've definitely done home inspections for several different, you know, famous people. Um, but the richest, you know, the homes that are the biggest homes, they're people that you've never heard of right. that are, you know, kind of CEOs of companies that have kind of gone public and they went to, you know, not having too much money to maybe becoming, having hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, do they tend to care less about the home inspection report or do they, you know, cause you said some of them is a second, third, fourth home. Is there usually much friction with the report as opposed to, you know, someone that's going to live in the house? Um, usually there's not much friction. I mean, people are spending that much money on the report. They definitely appreciate the report and the value that it gives. Um, but they look at it and they're like, okay, broken, whatever this broken that they're like, all right. Yeah. Okay. $15,000, $10,000 in repairs is not a big deal, but really with these bigger homes, I mean, people have the money, so they get so well taken care of that generally the bigger, the home, the, 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 the nicer they are and the less issues we have, you know, um, unless there's just something that's totally kind of happened that's broken or some major water leak or 
roof issues, mold, you know, that we find. But yeah, with these bigger homes, it's kind of, you know, they, they get well taken care of. Typically, a lot of them have full-time um, caretakers and anything that needs to get done and maintenance issues um, all get taken care of, you know. <laughs> Must be nice, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it's the thousand square foot, you know, two bedroom, one bath homes from, uh, you know, the 50s and 60s are the ones that they're like, oh man, this is, there's going to be some. Wow. So your day could be totally different and like on either end of the spectrum, right? Like, I don't know. I don't know how many inspectors have that variance of like 50, 60 year old home or $40 million, uh, you know, beautifully crafted, beautiful, beautiful architecture home. Um, how has that market changed over the years? I'm sure you've seen Tahoe go through I mean, not to mention like the national real estate market changing. I think we're all aware of kind of what's happening there, but like, yeah, how's Tahoe changed? <clears throat> Tahoe is ever changing, but um, like everything, prices have gone up, right? Um, and you know, I don't know too much about other markets with this, but what has happened in Tahoe is, you know, we have this, you know, Bay Area and Silicon Valley that's three hours away, and you know, a ton of people that. Uh, their stocks have recently gone up so much and they make a good amount of money and they're like, Hey, you can work remotely. So, you know, everyone's has, has had that freedom. So, um, you know, a lot of younger couples are like, Oh man, we love Tahoe. We want to live the Tahoe dream, you know, of spending lots of time outdoors. So they, they were able to come up to Tahoe and just throw down cash (laughs) and homes that were, starting to go for, you know, the whole process of like the first year, the first crazy summer, um, these homes that were like maybe $500,000, people would just, there'd be 20 people bidding them on them. And everyone was doing cash deals, one week close, remove Mm. all contingencies. And, you know, that's what really escalated the prices up really fast. But I would say, yeah, the, the amount of money of cash coming in and quick one week, you know, offers that are like one week close kind of made a, made a pretty big impact on the area. Um, but it, you know, I feel like it didn't change too much on the inspections. We just went from 80% of our inspections for the buyers to 80% to the, to work for the sellers. Oh, really? So you had a lot of pre-listing inspections. Yeah. I mean, nearly all of our, I mean, 80% of our, our business came from listing inspections this year. This past Interesting. Year. That's unique. That's yeah. unique across from, you know, from having talked to people all over the country that, why do you think that is? Cause there's a lot of places where if there's a drop in number of buyers that have the contingency or, or if they you know, if all the buyers are waiving the contingency, there's a risk of them, of course, not even doing an inspection at all. Usually the seller doesn't come in and do them. Um, I know. And I kind of saw that with a lot of the, like the Facebook groups I've been part of and everyone, there was a huge concern because people were losing so much work because of that. But I think it, you know, again, there's such an influence from the Bay area um, up here that we just went to that model. You know, not only did our prices get to Bay area prices, um, but we went to the model where all the documents are available to people up front. So when there's a bunch of people making an offers and, you know, the sellers know that it's likely that they're going to get cash, cash offers with short closes, um, you know, they provide all the documents up front. So people have the ability to do that. 
you know, you if you have a weak close, there's no way you're getting an inspection in the middle of the summer, right? Yeah, so, true. Um, it had a lot to do with, you know, people with all the, the cash offers um, making these short contingency periods. I mean, that's super logical and selfishly, I, I love that, uh, I guess, trend or part of the culture there because I, I wish it was that way everywhere because that just, it does help the seller in that sense when you think of like, let me just get you everything so then you don't have anything to like hang you up so then we can close in a week and I can get my cash. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, the only thing is that like some buyers are like, oh man, I wanted radon or like, ah, you found something or like want to investigate that further. But, um, you know, that it's good that at least it gets discovered at an early stage so that, you know, hopefully the seller will address things and things can just run smoothly. But yeah. Is anything drastically different? Obviously, you know, a a pre-listing inspection is for the seller do you approach it any differently or is, uh, you know, I, I think me and a lot of the industry just doesn't know as much about them because we don't get exposure to them as much and the reps aren't there. Is it, is it any different process wise or how you think about it? No, I mean, the process is totally the same. The, the price is totally the same. Um, the only difference is that a lot of times, you know, no one's meeting us. So hmm. Often, most of the we are very fortunate in that most of our inspections um, are the houses are vacant, anyways. Oh you know, God. they're either rentals or vacation homes, so they're empty. And a lot of times, you know, most of the times people are like, ah, oh, we'll come and meet you at the end of the inspection and we'll drive up or, um, you know, and we'll spend, we'll spend some time going over the inspection. But the sellers are like, just do, take care of the report and send me the report and we'll ask you questions if we have any. So um, it was kind of nice that way that um, it just took a little less of our time, you know. You're living the home inspector dream on that front because minimal distraction. I mean, do you ever get lonely? Because then you're just like always by yourself. No, no, no. I love it. Um, <laughs> you know, it's a small town. You're always running into people. There's always people and the agents will always come around, even if, you know, they don't need to. A lot of times they're like, oh, we'll come and do our AVID, you know, our visual Bye. inspection and say hi, you know, yeah. or they'll come and open the house just because, you know, for, you know, certain people don't like to have the lock boxes on. Right. Um, so no, don't get lonely. I, I really say, I really enjoy those, uh, you know, um, inspections where you don't really have to, you know, meet anybody and laid back, and, man, laid back. I know, I know. Um, what's the population of that of the Tahoe area. I don't even know, like generally. I would say the entire, you know, our zone, which we inspect in, which is like North Tahoe and Truckee, which is out of the basin and West shore, um, maybe 80,000 or so, 80, wow. 60 to 90 ish. But the turnover, the velocity of homes turning over is probably a lot great, probably more than the average city or town that size. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some of the homes, you know, I've, I've inspected, you know, starting on my third times now, some, some of the homes, <laughs> no kidding. So, but not, I mean, many homes we've inspected twice. So yeah, people have these vacation homes, they hold them on, they hold them for like five years and then the kind of the natural cycle, they, they, they don't use them or, you know, their family grows and they just don't have the time or they get busy with work. So yeah, it is pretty common to, um, you know, agents appreciate that too, because they'll sell, they'll be the buyer's agent and then they'll, 
you know, oh, years later, they'll be the listing agent. So it's good for everybody. I was going to say, it's a great market, great market to be in. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you find a lot of your clients there, you know, of obviously of varying sophistication levels really appreciate like the engineering background? Like I'm guessing you get more bang for the buck there because you might have it like other types of engineers as clients. Yeah. Well, definitely the whole other engineers, you know, as clients is a big thing and <clears throat> people love to kind of bring that up. But I mean, it's such a, you know, and it is such a small, um, you know, industry here that a lot of people know, everyone knows me, a lot of, most of the agents know who I am and they know that I'm an engineer. And even if they don't use me regularly, they might have a house or a situation where they're like, Hey, we need someone to look at this. And like, we're not going to be able to get an engineer to look at this. So we want you to do an inspection because we know you are going to look at it with an engineering eye. Mm -hmm. And I don't charge extra um, kind of for that, but you know, there's always issues with decks because we get such crazy snow loads around here. Um, like this month, you know, or I should say December, you know, we got 200 inches at elevation. So at lake level where I live at 6,200 feet, probably got five feet of snow at the house. Wow. So there's always issues, snow falling off roof and breaking decks and <laughs> breaking, you know, there's, there's the snow causes lots of, lots of issues that we've seen over the years. Yeah. I could imagine that's an issue. Most like a lot of inspectors don't have to even think about um, in certain States. Um, so over the years, so you've, you grew nicely 2014, 15, 16. So like, where, where do you stand today? And like, are you at a comfortable spot? Do you want to keep growing? Like what I want to, I'm curious of the mentality when the market size is limited, sounds like you got a great thing going. You're kind of, you're kind of the man there. Um, and things are going well. What, where are you at and kind of what's, how do you think about the future of your business? Yeah, good question. I mean, I've thought about this a lot because there was a few years that I kind of felt stagnant and I'm like, okay, what am I going to do? And, and then I, I, I went to, um, I went to one of the home inspection conferences and I actually, I think it was about three years ago and I met you guys, you and your brother and, and oh, yeah, that was, that was Ashi in San Diego, maybe it was Vegas. Oh, Vegas. Vegas. That's right. That's right. Right. Yeah. right. And, um, I mean, there you're, you're I, I think Casey was there and mm -hmm. I think Alexis was there mm -hmm. and, um, you know, I talked to you guys a lot that weekend. I was really impressed. So I was like, all right, well, I'm going to jump into this, changing this software. And then I found Dr. Shane and he was like, yeah, we do overnight mold. You know, we get you, you can overnight your stuff with us and we'll get it back the same day. So I started doing mold testing. Um, you know, I introduced thermal imaging and radon at that time. And, um, and then before I had heard a lot, there was a lot of talk about, oh, with COVID, you know, you guys, once lockdown ends, you guys better be prepared. And, and um, I thought about that a little bit. And for some reason, I just kind of went ahead and I started training two inspectors at the time. Ooh. And it worked out well, because that summer was crazy. Um, but it was also like finishing training them as well. So it took, it was a very time consuming, you know, year. And right now there's just two of us, two inspectors, it's myself and Gabe. And um, it's kind of the sweet spot right now. Um, I, in the past I've been, I've kind of avoided getting licensed in Nevada 
which is only 15 minutes away from our house because it just wasn't necessary at the time. But, um, you know, I've really come to realize that they, they don't have a lot of home inspectors in that, on that side of the lake. So, you know, a lot of their home inspectors come from Reno, which is mm. maybe 45 minutes, 55 minutes to get there. So they tend to charge more and um, the market, and there's bigger homes there. I mean, Lakeshore Boulevard is the Lakefront Avenue. And those are some of the most expensive homes in California. You know, there's, you know, ton, there's probably maybe, I don't know, seven to 10 billionaires that live right on that, that kind of two mile stretch. Wow. So obviously the homes are big. There's multiple structures on that home. So that's my next goal is like, I've done everything. I need to kind of take one more class uh, to finish up getting licensed for Nevada and looking to maybe hire another person to help me with that side. Wow. Well, congrats. First of all, that's amazing. Um, yeah. I'm just looking, I'm looking at a map of Lake Tahoe to re to kind of refamiliarize myself with it. And so many little communities as you go up and down like Glenbrook, Lake Ridge, Skyland, you know, if you, you go around oh, the yeah. whole lake and it's all little communities. Yeah. I mean, my goal is to stay at a South Lake um, because it's just a whole nother animal that I don't particularly want to get involved with. And they have home inspectors down there and they have, you know, completely, it's just a completely different community. And um, it's just not my goal to kind of get involved, to drive, make that drive really. Cause it takes, again, it's about an hour drive. And my preference is to keep things under an hour. So um, yeah, I mean, even just doing incline village, which is, 10, 15 minutes away from where I live. Mm -hmm. um, there's a whole community there on the Nevada side. And um, yeah, there's a lot of big homes. I mean, none of those homes are really going below a million dollars for single family homes. Um, any learnings from having to hire? Like, how did you find your, your two guys and like any, anything you've learned uh, that you would do differently in terms of like hiring, onboarding, training? Yeah. I mean, you know, you're constantly learning that. I mean, like how many employees do you have? I bet you're still learning that, that you know, the <laughs> yeah, ins every and day. Out of, of hiring people. I mean, it's a, uh, it's, it's so di- It could be really difficult and challenging. Um, I've had, you know, I've had um, other hires as well that um, some worked out, some didn't work out as well. And I kind of learned a lot because I mean, I, you know, I didn't go to school for business. I didn't know anything about starting a business or running a business. So, um, you know, what I look for now are things that really can't be, are more difficult to train, like people skills, person, like how people talk to clients, how people interact with agents. I mean, it's just difficult to teach that type of stuff and the familiarity and, and um, so, the Gabe who I still have right now, um, I was putting the word out everywhere to find a home inspector. And he actually cold called me not knowing that I was looking for an employee. So it worked out good. He was, um, he was younger than anyone else I had talked to, you know, at that time he was in his, I don't know, early Mm twenties, but you know, he just presented himself really well and was really mature and was able to, to um, really have, he had good communication skills. And, you know, he had a little background in construction as well. And, you know, after three months or so, three, four months, he was good to go with 
just learning the ins and outs of home inspection. But yeah, it's really kind of, you know, finding someone that knows how to communicate well. That's probably, is that your number one kind of thing you look for now above, above all else? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, kind of helps to have some background and knowledge of kind of building systems, but the communication part is, is really important for, especially for the clients that we have up here who, you know, are really well-educated, tend to have a lot of money buying their second, third, fourth home. Um, You know, a lot of people from the tech industry. So you really kind of want to have that, you know, that strong communication skills. So. uh, Yeah. If I had to choose between trying to teach someone systems and components of a home or teaching them how to communicate, I would probably prefer to teach someone about systems and components of a home that feels more black and white than like the nuances of phrasing something or the tone or pitch, you know, you use when talking about defects, things like that. Yeah. Or dealing with difficult people, um, agents and clients. Uh, and we run into that not too often. Um, you know, we're pretty fortunate with that, but we do run into that. And then especially with COVID where there's mm-hmm. different sensitivities and people, different stresses that people have. And, so that, that makes a big difference. Any, uh, any particular situations worth like calling out that you you've gone through that you either learned from, or that you were just like, this was a tough one to deal with, um, to sh- any stories to share there. Cause I know every inspector has horror stories, but like, it's, it's fun to empathize and then also learn from each other. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. One definitely comes to mind. Um, and I had one of my inspectors going to inspection and he got there and, and I, at one point I had to switch inspectors, you know, for scheduling reasons. And so the client who was not supposed to be at the house, because my policy at the time was that the house needs to be vacant. Mm -hmm. And that just got rid of a lot of issues. And for the, for the most part, it was pretty easy to do. Cause like I said, most people are second homeowners that don't live in this area anyways. Um, in this case, the people were at the house, the client, the, they were, for, it was for the sellers and the sellers were living there or staying there because of COVID. And um, they were older couple and the wife had a pre-existing condition. And so I, I really kind of encouraged them. I was like, especially because she has a pre-existing condition, I really ask that you not be there. So the inspector shows up, Um, he was inspecting another, he was expecting the other inspector just by name and just started yelling yelling at the inspector and got so upset. And at that time, there was not a lot of information. This was pretty early on, not a lot of information about face coverings. So I think we were wearing buffs, which if you're not familiar with, it's kind of like a type of ski gear that covers your face and nose to right. keep you warm, but you know, it's a face covering. So uh, he was wearing that and the, the husband just started yelling at him and, and saying, you're not the other inspector and how can I trust you? And who are you? And, and so, you know, he called me right away and was like, he's like, Hey, Steve, we have a situation here. And so I came to diffuse it and he started yelling at me and was just, totally unreasonable and at that point I was like I made a decision like right there I was like you know what this is not worth it 
this is not worth dealing with this guy who is not being reasonable and his and his really just you know yelling at both of us so i was like you know what we're going to save everyone trouble and we're going to leave i'll refund your money if you've already paid and we're just going to walk away so we walked away and um which was such a great decision and i would do it anytime in the in the future as well dealing with people that are that difficult and so i called the agents and um, unfortunately, the, one of the agents was, was quite upset and was threatening that I was going to ruin the deal and um, unfortunately, it ruined my relationship with that agent. But she ended up screaming at me and her true colors ended up coming out. And it was just a, a total disaster. And I mean, I just tried to like keep my cool. I tried to like talk to her calmly because I've had a several year relationship with her business, um, you know, through business. And um, so, yeah, I mean, all in all, it was a horrible situation, but I wouldn't change the fact of us walking out um, because it's just not worth it. It's not worth being yelled at and demeaned. And, um, you know, you have to have some respect respect for yourself and take care of your employees, which don't deserve that either. Oh, I'm sure your employee, it meant more to your, to your guy, I bet than, than anything. And that that's a huge one is standing up for them and saying, we don't have to be verbally abused. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, you just like have to stay calm and talk to him and be like, I'm like, you know, we're going to leave. We're not going to do the inspection. And, um, you know, I apologize for any confusion and, and walk away and then hope that hopefully people kind of have some, or at least the agents have an understanding, which, um, which, you know, one of the agents totally understood. And, you know, it was the, it was kind of early in COVID and, and people weren't getting like, people understood that, you know, some people were going to get sick or, you know, there was going to be delays and escrows. So most people understood and have been great with the flexibility of things going on. Um, so there's been very few kind of negative incidences that have been that bad, but that was, that was one to learn from for sure. Yeah. I could see you being really great. Um, staying calm, staying in the pocket and handling it, just talking people through it. And then at the end saying, Hey, we're not for everybody. Everybody doesn't have to agree. Um, we can go our separate ways. Yeah. Um, I wanted to get your take on kind of how, because it seems to be a recurring theme that comes up, um, in terms of how the industry is evolving, big money coming into our industry, you know, acquisitions like American family insurance, buying home gauge and porch coming in, buying ISN, all that stuff. What's the relationship like there in terms of the agents or the inspectors referring contractors? Do homeowners ask about that stuff? Do they expect it? And then secondly, what's your take on it in terms of, um, you know, it's not like this huge overnight thing that's happening in our industry, but it's starting to evolve a little. Yeah, it's, it is really interesting. And again, we're probably different from a lot of markets being that we are, a um, you know, relatively smaller community, but, you know, people ask me for referrals all the time because like, Hey, I live two hours, three hours, away and I don't know anyone there and I'm looking for these type of contractors, electrical, heating, whatever it is. And um, 
you know, I try to keep good relations. Of course, you know, being here so long, I do have friends that are contractors in a lot of these industries. So, you know, I, um, and it's not just my friends that I refer, but it's people that I try to use at my own home that I've seen their work over the years. I try to keep in touch with them and communicate and ask them how things are going. And they try to take care of the people that I refer, you know, even if, even if it's like the busy season and, you know, people aren't calling back for a week, you know, and they can't get to a house for four or five weeks. You know, I, I hope that I could at least refer people that are going to communicate well and um, give fair prices and do what they say they're going to do. Um, so many home inspectors, I feel, are kind of afraid to kind of give out those referrals because they could come back. But, you know, to that, I just say you just have to you have to keep good relations with those people you refer out to and and make sure and maybe even call the clients back and be like, how was your experience with um, whatever plumber that I referred or how was that handyman? You know, did he get things done? And I do get feedback and sometimes it's negative feedback. And guess what? I don't use those people anymore. You know, I, I find someone new and and before I typically I refer someone, I usually have a conversation. I'm like, hey, I'm a home inspector. Um, a lot of people ask me for referrals. I know you're super busy in the busy season, but, you know, can we can we make this work and have some sort of relationship where I refer people out and you're nice to them? Yeah, yeah, that's the key, right? Is and that's a, and that's the thing. Well, I don't think inspectors will ever be able to fully control the experience because you're referring another person, another human, and and they're subject to not show up or do a poor job as well. But I think as long as that's communicated, um, you know, you you can't get yourself into too much trouble. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the biggest issue around here, and I don't know if this is universal, is roofing contractors where once the season, you know, late spring starts, um, roofing contractors don't answer their phone. They have a voicemail that says like, we're booked for the year, leave a message, we'll get back to you. Oh my gosh. You know, and that's uh, like the bigger roofing contractors, that's that's just like the reality of it. So, um, you know, any roofing contractors want to come up to Lake Tahoe, I think they could do a pretty good job. I don't, and it's just like a, it is a nationwide problem. Cause I've, I've, I've had this conversation with enough people where I don't know what the solution is for more quality tradesmen, contractors. Um, because yeah, pe- people can't wait six months sometimes to get a new, you know, an, uh, a fix on their home. Yeah. I mean, I tell people all the time though, I'm like, oh, okay, you've got a 25 year old water heater. And I'm like, it still works, but guess what? If you're, you know, your water heater goes out, you know, and it's in the middle of summer, which is the high season here, you know, it might take you four to six weeks to get someone to, to come and, and replace that. So you might want to be proactive. Okay. Book it now. Um, yeah. Do you, do you think what's your, what's your thoughts on inspectors having a, a, almost a paid relationship with the contractors they recommend. It doesn't sound like you do it that way, but what are your thoughts on monetizing that inspectors that say, Hey, these are my trusted relationships and I'm, I am sending them business that they get paid for. Um, are you talking about home inspectors getting kickbacks as well or? Yeah. Yeah. So like, say you refer a, a master bath remodeler and they do a $30,000 job or, you know, $50,000 job. Do you think home inspectors should be compensated for that or, or, or could be? Um, 
I personally, I think that's a, that's still kind of a conflict in interest and it ties you a little bit too much to the contractor. Um, it would, it sounds nice, but, um, you know, I just think that it, it, you have too much of a connection with that contractor. And if something does go wrong, if that is found out that, you know, you did receive something, I think, you know, there's a li- there's an additional liability that, you know, I would want to stay away from. Um, I already feel like being in the second, third, fourth home market puts you at more liability than if it were a primary home market. Mm. Um, just because people tend to have those additional resources and, um, they're from the city and it's more commonplace to go after people maybe there. Uh, So, um, you know, I'm always thinking about how to limit my liability and, you know, that would be one of them. I'm comfortable referring people, which, is kind of a, a, a boundary for me is like just to refer them, but, you know, getting kickbacks and is probably somewhere I would, I would uh, not partake in. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. That's very, very, it's a, it's one of many perspectives that people are having with, with things evolving. Would you ever get into like the home maintenance side of the business? Because after, I know after inspection, a lot, there's, there's some inspectors out there that are saying, well, people want their gutters cleaned and their furnaces, uh, you know, maintained, which may not always require like a full on HVAC company or a full, you know, a handyman home. There's some home inspectors that are saying we could fulfill these services and do it well and have recurring revenue. Is that not, is that a thing or is it just so separate in your market where they find other pros for that stuff? I mean, it's definitely something I think of. I mean, I always think of, of like, you know, kind of as my company is like providing, the goal is to like, you know, provide as many services I can for people buying these homes, you Mm -hmm. know, and if that includes, you know, fireplace servicing a fireplace or a furnace, um, maybe I would think about that. You know, I used to think about the handyman, like starting a a separate handyman business because handyman, good handyman are just so hard to find, but I think that's also the, the problem. Like, how are you going <laughs> to find yeah, someone? How are you, you going to find someone? <laughs> Typically, a lot of the handyman I know, they're, once they get good at doing so many of those things, they're on track to become a, a licensed contractor. Uh, and that's where, they're, that's where they want to head. And then once they become a licensed contractor, they're charging more and they're really no longer, they're, they're, they're no longer a handyman. Um, yeah, it's a problem. It's a problem of these average everyday things. And as home buyers get younger and, uh, you know, with, with inflation, people have money and they want to do less and there's no one to do it. So it's just a, it's just an interesting dynamic that's reaching into the home inspection space because there's no one else to do these things. And I, I just find it fascinating because there's no like solution in sight. So. I know. And like it would, it's such a, it is a fairly lucrative business doing, uh, handyman stuff. Cause like, ah, you need to fix a light fixture, or change a couple light fixtures and redo like some, some tile, a little, like maybe you do a little bit of tile repair, crack tile repair and re grout things. There's always cracked grout everywhere. And, um, you know, there's, there's just like the perfect match for home inspections really. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the, the handyman that I use, it's, it's, it's just always difficult. 
um, either they leave the area because it's too expensive to live here or they end up becoming contractors and going a different route. Um, so I feel like, you know, agents or people that, you know, most of the agents or other home inspectors that know their handyman, they like, they keep them very tight in their pocket, you know, they don't really <laughs> pass out the information and you find out about who one is that's really good. And you're like, Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. I refer you out all the time, but um, yeah, I'm not going to give your name out to any other <laughs> agent. But, Cause the agents are like, Oh, do you have a list like an approved contractor list that you get? I'm like, no, I don't do that. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> um we got a couple minutes left i want to be respectful of your time but what else what else has um kind of been interesting to you kind of what else are you seeing in the future for either the industry or your business um i guess what what excites you nowadays um well i think that's like a couple those are like separate questions i mean what's going on i just feel like in the past couple of years we've just had to deal with so many things from covid and masking mandates to like, you know, having to deal with like kids, like schooling, you know, remote learning. Mm. And, you know, around here, we've had to deal with the smoke and the fires. And then, you know, in December, we had this record breaking snowfall where we had road closures. We had, you know, thousands of people power outages where they're like, sorry, no power to the house. We don't know when the power is coming back. Um, you know, road closures from the snow and the weather. Um, so there's just been lots of challenges and you just have to be really flexible and, um, you know, you have to have a lot of resilience to, you know, deal with all these, these issues that who knows what the next one's going to be. You know, it's, it's, there's definitely um, a ton of buyers and not, not a lot of houses on the market. And that's kind of universal throughout the country. So what's next winter going to be like everyone in town was hoping for a huge winter. Um, so all these like new residents, these people that came from, you know, the Bay area that moved here they're because they're living the Tahoe dream. Um, they're like, oh, well, maybe if there's this huge storms where power outages and roads closures, happen they'll get scared off which is what happens every time it happens so those storms finally came this in this past december and um you know we'll see who puts their home up on the market we'll see the fallout in january we'll see the fallout you know what what kind of excites me um you know i guess it's just kind of like learning like where are my gaps what do what do my clients need that like i'm not providing or someone else isn't there's not enough being provided, you know, for this transaction process. And a lot of that's like, I just need to go to more conventions and talk to more inspectors and, and see what other people are doing. Um, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm stuck in my little Tahoe bubble. And uh, it's always good to get out to those conventions and see what, you know, new services are being offered. So just kind of looking to see what holes I can fill and, and all these people with this, this cash, um, you know, looking to spend it really. So a lot of people are using all the services I provide. They're like, yeah, we'll take the home action. We'll do some mold. We'll do radon. We'll do thermal <laughs> imaging. Like, what? So I'm like, oh man, I'm not doing enough. Like where else, what other areas can I fill in? So that's, that's what I'm looking to next. That's, I love that as a topic. And I, I would love to 
you know, host more brainstorms or roundtable discussions around it just to see, because I think there's a lot of creativity happening in the industry. Um, you know, we went to an IEB conference a few months back and there were so many great discussions around gaps, basically, of like what the homeowners are asking for, what can we feasibly stand up and provide? And a lot of it is around those other services. And so I think I think we're seeing, a, I'm seeing a lot of that throughout the industry of like separate companies being popped up. And again, the hard part is finding people that want to work and uh, people yeah. that want to do the work. Yeah. Or in our area, I mean, a lot of areas like rent is, is skyrocketed and it's very limited. So, yeah. you know, how are you going to find someone pay them enough so that they could rent that $3,000 two bedroom condo? <laughs> Yeah. Cause our, our industry is, uh, you know, you gotta be present to do the work. There's no, there's no inspecting a home remotely. <laughs> so yeah, not yet. Yeah. So, um, well, cool. No, that's, that's awesome to hear. Cause I think I, I want to specifically pry and find more content around that and just kind of sh- keep sharing ideas and circulating them to, to keep elevating everyone's businesses. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate the podcast. It's always interesting listening to people from different areas that, have completely different approaches and, and the, their markets are wildly different from mine. So all I really know, you know, for the most part really well is my market. Um, so it's always good to learn from these podcasts as well. Right on. Yeah. Cause I think I mistakenly thought early on that it's just like all the same, just a different city. And it's just like, not the case, which is, which is kind of the point of this is just spreading information, sharing ideas, um, you know, hoping that it's helpful to somebody. Yeah. Awesome. Well, right on. Well, Steve, this has been great, man. I'm glad we finally got to do it. Um, I apologize again for, for us having to jump dates so many times, but um, it's great to hear from you. I'm glad you're doing well. Um, we're, we're, if there's any inspectors that just want to kind of network, swap ideas, what's the best way to get a hold of you or find you? Uh, probably my website, SaturnoHomeInspection.com. Um, no S, Home Inspection. Yeah, no S. Saturno, like the planet, Saturn with an O, home inspection. And there's a contact page there. And that's always the best way to reach me. And yeah, you know, I I have, you know, through the last several years, bought real estate. and You have to meet other inspectors to inspect your homes that you're buying and try to keep in touch with as many inspectors as I can, because it's always great to share information, ideas. Right on. Well, I'll link to the site. I'm sure you'll get a few people reach out and uh, and we'll do this again sometime, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, right on. Well, have a good rest of your day and uh, we'll talk soon. Okay, sounds good. See you.